Hello friends, welcome back to Talking Transformative Love Podcast. Today we have Steph Lorenzo, who is a Loretto Normanhurst past pupil. Uh, she is currently the head of community engagement at Higher Up, which is a disability service provider. Steph, thank you for coming today. Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure to have you here with us um, to talk all things Mary Ward and your education at Loretta Normanhurst. Uh, Steph, you were born in the Philippines to, a ch to Chinese parents who are very faithful and pray the rosary every day. Yes, still do. <laughs> uh, and I do too, no. <laughs> and I'm sure uh, you do the same. You pray the rosary every day. You'll tell us anyway soon. I guess, Steph, what belief system or philosophy shaped your childhood and continues to form who you are today? Yeah, well, it's interesting because um, as far as I can remember, when I, when I look back, I mean, we were at church every single week, front row. My dad was an acolyte. He was in the choir. Yes. Mum was a communion minister. They were part of Couples for Christ. Um, oh. So we were constantly like front and centre every single week. Like you had to rock up yeah. half an hour yeah. early yes. just to get the front row. To get those seats. Yeah. But they've got those seats labelled for <laughs> you guys now, don't they? The Lorenzo family. Okay, no, we, when we'd rock up and someone else was there, Dad would just be like, oh. Yeah, like <laughs> no. But, um, but yeah, so, it, you know, it was a very strong um, faith formation when I was young through my parents, for sure. Yes. I obviously went, I went to a Catholic um, primary school and then Loretto Normanhurst. I think it was just... I never really thought about faith, I don't think, when I was at school or anything in the same way that I do now. Um, I think you just thought it was it was just part of it. You yeah. thought kind of everyone was a Catholic and this is what everyone did because that's the way you, you were brought up. Yes. Um, I think as well, though, when I started to sort of get a little bit older, um, you know, I, I did do some work with a, a group called Voices of Faith, which did a lot of work around empowering sort of women in the church to, to be in more leadership positions and so forth and when I got to know a little bit more about maybe the history when yes. I sort of delved a little bit more into the theology and to the you know the creation of the institution and all of that which you didn't really look at when you were young it was yeah. just more ritual when you were young and and it was and more singing, parish based. it's more parish 100% parish yeah. based 100% and I think that's where I started to just question a few things I, I don't think I was ever um I still think I have faith today for yes. sure I still call myself a Catholic for yeah. sure I, I just think I I'm more happy to be um to sort of forge my own path in it yes in, in terms of what I believe and what I think and what I think is right yeah. and some people might not like that but I'm not doing it for other people you know no, your yeah. faith is for you yeah so you're I suppose you're uh, figuring out who God is in your life today. Yes, definitely. And it's interesting because I'm um, I'm engaged. My yeah. fiance grew up Catholic too, yes. but he's he doesn't practice. His family doesn't really practice. He's not not into it, but he he's a bit of agnostic yeah. to, to to institutionalized religion. Yes. Um, and I think it's funny now, and I'm 20 weeks pregnant, which is very Yay. exciting, but I, I think we're trying to, I'm, I'm trying to, I do think, I think about religion more, especially in the mm. context of raising a child, because yeah. it's how I was raised. You kind of just go yes. back to where, where mm. you were raised and, and it was great. Like yeah. it was a beautiful yeah. community and my parents were part of a really strong Catholic Couples for Christ community. It was yeah. All their friends were part of that. 
So I had a great upbringing in it. Yeah. But I think as you start to go out into the world yourself as a 20-year-old, as a 30-year-old, it's, it's very, it's normal just to yeah. question the institution of it. It's normal to question some of the things you hear about in the news, yeah. you know, in yeah. terms of what's happening, in terms of the inequalities that still exist between men and women sort of in the church yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and leadership Absolutely. decisions and all of that. So I think it's only natural that you sort of question things, but I, but I think that I've always maintained a faith. Yeah. Because to me, faith is not about the, the institution. It's not mm. about a priest or what people teach you necessarily. It's about your relationship with who you envision God yeah, to be, who, yeah. you, who you feel God is, that kind yeah, of Yeah, and I think that's, that's pretty much it, really. It's not about... Uh, I think somehow we made it about the institutional church, but really, um, Catholicism or Christianity um, yes. is actually about an encounter with the person of Jesus. Yes, exactly. It, it's interesting. I remember my mum, she she probably ranted on me the most out of my two older sisters and me because I think she saw that I was a bit more, I don't know, willing in the, in the whole religious yeah. sort of path. She used to be like, you know, we need to go to reconciliation. I used to hate going to reconciliation, like confession, because I always thought it was a weird thing to do. But when I was young, I did it. But still, when I was older, she'd be like, come to confession with me. Come to, you know, reconciliation. Yes. You've got to confess your sins. And it was interesting. <laughs> as I if used you to had go, a lot of sins well, anyway. <laughs> uh, well, as a 20-year-old, maybe. But I used to go with her. But then there was a point where, I was, where you start to question yeah. things. And I used yeah. to be like, well, why, mum? Why do you go? Why can't I just pray to God? God, why can't I just, you know, say yeah. sorry myself or do something? I have to do it to a priest. Like, what's with that? Um, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, she couldn't really give me an answer because I think her and my dad were just so faith-led and faith-driven maybe in yeah, that old school yeah. way. And that's great. That was great for them. But, yeah, I remember the yeah. first time I said, no, I'm not going. And she was she was so shocked. She was like, where did this come from? Yeah. Um, but then finally I think she sort of accepted that, you know, it's not like I was going off the rails. But no. I just but it's, thought I, it was, a, yeah. for me, it just wasn't something that I really mm. felt connected to in any way I felt like I was sort of doing it to appease my parents or yes. mm. doing it for for a ritual that I didn't really understand or feel comfortable with you yeah. know what I mean and I, and I think that's you said something that's really um important is that you're forging your own way yes into I suppose this encounter with God um yes and and this is a, a bit of a sidestep but I find that interesting because you know, I was, I was sitting in the midst of about, you know, 14 men who have either faced incarceration or uh, been homeless. And, and they said to me, oh, well, you know, you're the religious in the group. Why don't you say a prayer to end our reflection? And I thought, oh, God, don't, wow. get, don't get me to do it. But they uh, said, oh, you know, you do it. And I said, all right. So I looked around and I thought, and I said to, to all of them, obviously, I said, so which God are we praying to today? And they all looked at me like, of course, you know, why would you say that? And I said, so which God should we pray to today? And the guy that was sitting next to me uh, said, we, we want to pray to the God that you believe in. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's, that's become the, the, you know, I guess, how do we forge our way through these, you know, whether it's theology or yeah. whether institutional church to find who God is for us. That's right. So if I asked to what, 
your image of God is, would you would you be able to tell us? I, I don't feel like I've ever had really an Im- I mean, the image of God, like, for me, has probably always been what you see in the Catholic gift shops or something <laughs> like that. It hasn't really changed, and I don't mind that. Yeah. I'm not like, you know, even though I've worked a lot in not-for-profit and a lot of the, again, inequalities between men and women, it's not like I'm like, God is a female. Like, for me, it's like, it's not about that. It's yeah. about just having an image of someone that is is love, is yes. sort of transcendent, is accepting of all people, mm. um, whatever that kind of looks like. Um, but if, if you're going to say an image, I, I feel like I, I did connect or I have connected to the to what the norm has been like yeah. in terms of Jesus and, yeah. and you know. That's all And right. that's okay. Yeah. It's funny because I also think for me um, with what I feel with, I don't know, faith, religion, God, the church, you know, I don't want it to be like one or the other. You know, yeah. people leave the church because they're annoyed with it or whatever. For me, it was like I feel strongly about certain things with it. I don't like other things with it, but it doesn't mean I have to be there or not there. Yeah, beautiful. But the I think freedom. a lot of people feel they have to be because because of the way the church is, because maybe the way their priest is or the yeah, way that yeah. or someone who's been influencing them in one way or another. I think you can be pretty fluid in it and that's okay as long as you're not trying to do it for someone else. Yeah, and you do it And, and for I you. feel comfortable in that. Yeah. And if someone wants to tell me that's wrong, I'm like, great. You do you, I'll do me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, totally okay, you know? Um, yeah, no, that's beautiful. Now, uh, Steph, you were educated at Loretta Normanhurst. Yes. Um, you were inspired by the vision that girls can do anything, yes. which left you feeling empowered and encouraged. How did that experience... Um, give you an insight into who you are as a woman today? Yeah, I think, again, like I, I think I never really thought about the, the formation period or Loretto up until, you know, up until um, maybe later in life. Yeah. Um, where I was also invited back to sort of share some some work around the, the work that I was doing in the yes. not-for-profit world. I was invited back, um, you know, to be on the board of Loretto for a little yeah. while. Um, and, you know, I, I sort of came back into the Loretto community and it just yeah. made me realise how how much that sort of period when you're at school um, shaped you, especially if you had good people around you. Mm. I still have a lot of great friends from Loretto. We had our 20-year re- reunion yeah. recently. and You so can't do many- a shout-out here. No, I won't do a shout out. But so many people were there. Like it was, yeah. it was a, it was great to kind of because because you are who you you know we always say you are who you hang with, right? Like yeah. the people yes. around you and the people, mm. um, you know whether it's your family or your friends or the people at work, you know they form you as you get older. Absolutely. You're encouraged by them yeah. or you're discouraged by them. And I think Loretto's always been a really empowering environment. Um, you know, I think that that the leadership teams and the teachers and stuff like that, at least when I was at school, I not I had to, I had nothing but really good experiences. Yeah. But I think I d- didn't really realise that until afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't really yeah. realise it when you're there. You're like, oh, school, like yeah, whatever. I, I mean, we all felt that way. We all felt <laughs> that way. But I think as you as as I look back, um, it, it was just such a great time, and to experience that time in a formative period of your life obviously which yeah. is teenage years um you couldn't have asked for sort of anything better oh yeah yeah and I think that's 
It's a vision that you can carry forever. Correct. Yes. And you know, give to your children and yep. It's so I think versatile and accessible, like the reward vision. Yes, absolutely. Be, yeah. And I think as well, um, when I look at again friends from school or the friends that I have now, they're all very strong female. You know leading in their industry or just loving what they're doing they're empowered by what they do and who they are and I think that confidence was something that was instilled at that young age where you were empowered there was no restrictions you know you'd have boundaries of course yes, like yeah. any school but it would guide you it would guide you to say you can do what you want if you want to be like a astronaut or if you want to be whatever the prime yeah. minister you can do that mm. You know, you can there, there are ways to get there. You can't just be that yeah, person. No. But I think they were quite real. They, they, yeah, they encouraged people. And I think that that's what girls need when they're young. Yeah, because it's yeah. easy to sort of, it's easy to be discouraged as a young girl. You know, it's easy to feel pressure. It's easy, it's easy to sort of, to not feel empowered but if you're in that community constantly and even if you have one yeah. or two friends or, or teachers that believe in you I think yeah. that, that makes a real difference. So surrounding yourself with people who can uh, who can empower you especially like you said there's so much pressure on young girls and women yes to to be things and to be um, I don't know to be at a top game or something yes uh, that being surrounded by this education system that says Look, you can be whoever you want to be, but Correct. we got you. Like, Correct. We got you. If if you do fall, we've got you. Like, exactly. I think that's so important. Hundred percent. To have. Um, yeah. So you studied inter international relations. Yes. And majored in marketing, so you can sell us anything pretty much. Um, <laughs> you we are try. passionate about people. That's what I've uh, captured from you is that you're very passionate about people, um, the things that make them tick and how humans respond or behave in situations. So you're all into human beings. <laughs> um, I suppose that in itself gives you energy. Um, tell us about that. Yeah, I think um, I've always been a people person. I was communications captain in U12. Of um, course you were. <laughs> yeah, voted by my peers. Um, and so I think I was always really good at, um, I don't know, just, just connecting with people and um, I was always a bit of a connector in, in my group at school. I think people really give me energy. I think I, I did one of those Myers-Briggs things and at one point I was like 98% extrovert. Yeah, so cool. people really do give me energy. Maybe not so much these days, like, like nearing 40, but um, back then I think I am just generally more of an extrovert and I'm happy to – I do really gain my energy when I'm around people. Um, but I think more so I gain energy when I'm around people that – you know, are passionate people, they're purposeful people, we're, we're doing, th you know, I gain energy from learning new things from, from people, you know, yes. I learn things from my friends every day or I'm, I'm pushed in different ways from, from my friends, you know, yeah. you're not really remaining stagnant, you've got people that can lift you and people that can, you know, push you forward yeah. um, and I think that really kind of gives me energy as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So what I'm hearing is, uh, connectedness, um, human relationships, and I think, not that I'm saying you don't have a relationship with the natural world, I'm sure you do, uh, because you, you 
I know that you love running. I more. do. Yeah, I, I'm a big. I'm a big. Um, I'm definitely a big outdoors person. Yeah, it's weird. I think I prefer bushwalking with people or swim, yeah. even swimming with people. I know you can't talk and swim, but I'm an <laughs> ocean can. swimmer. I swim. I swim from Manly to Shelley Beach and back. Yeah. Um, with friends. So I, I think I, I, I enjoy. I absolutely enjoy being outdoors. You know, but again, like I'm probably not as peaceful or reflective a person as. Maybe I'd like to be. I've tried meditating a bazillion times and yeah, sometimes it, it works, work but it's not constant for me. Um, but I'm okay with that. I think at the end of the day, like, I think at the end of the day, you know, you know who you are. I'm not, yeah. You can't be everything. Yeah. And that's okay with me. And, and uh, I'm probably not allowed to say this, but I'll say it anyway. Um, meditation is not my thing either. I, I prefer swimming or yes. bushwalking. Yeah. But I remember Anna Turkington once took me to the park across the road from where I live. And said, "Okay, we're gonna have lunch, and we're gonna sit down and meditate." Yes. I was like, "Why? No, <laughs> Why exactly. do you have to do this, Anna?" But those are things Anna gets me to do. <laughs> yeah. But meditation is, is you know, I guess become really popular with yes. our world, the, uh, with our noise uh, and the chaos age. that yeah. we live. Yeah, it's become a new a thing that people take up. I'm yes. sure it's always been around, but um, yeah, I prefer you know, the immersing myself in nature and walking. And, and walking yeah. or swimming. Yeah, I don't have to talk to anyone doing it, but I just, but I can't sit there and do and, nothing and yeah. close my eyes. I'd rather walk. <laughs> yeah, so we're definitely not meditating together, yeah. so that's good. <laughs> um, now, the the podcast theme, which has been a, a very famous theme, um, is transformative love. and And people have said different things about it. Uh, how have you experienced transformative love in your own life journey? Uh, and possibly tell us about this venture that you began, which I found very fascinating. And the, the only reason I knew about this venture was through Libby Rogerson, who I live with, said to me, yes. you got to ask Steph about her starting the, uh, the non-for-profit from her bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> so, tell totally. us about that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, um, when I was 21, I read a book about a woman who was sold into sexual slavery at a really young age and she was Cambodian. So she lived through the Khmer Rouge as a young girl, um, obviously like went through horrendous time. And I read her book when I was 21 and I was actually in Cambodia at the time doing a cycle challenge as a charity event for another organization. Yes. And fell in love with the country, obviously read this book like in one, pretty much in one sitting. It was so powerful to me. And again, as a very privileged person who grew up in Sydney, who was, who went to a private school, who yeah. just finished university, mm. um, I was like, oh my goodness, this stuff actually happens. Like you felt a bit naive. It's like, really? That's like horrible. Yeah. Um, and so I just thought, okay, well, let's do, you know, let's get, a network together, let's get our friends and let's do something for good. And so I did the same bike ride, the charity, I organized a charity bike ride. We ended up having 21 people. We raised $80,000 through Cambodia again the oh, next wow. year, but we were raising yeah. money for this woman's um, safe houses in Cambodia. Yeah. She had three at the time. And it was pretty amazing. I didn't expect to start a charity. I literally expected that this was going to be a one-off good deed. And then I was going to go off on my career path yeah, to like yeah. go in advertising or go in PR um, and it was incredible like we had such an amazing outpouring of support from 
um, friends, from people we didn't know, from, from some corporate people. You know, we were invited to the Australian Embassy in Cambodia to present this big check. Oh, wow. That's um, you know, all of us were volunteers. We, you know, there were three people that came from America who yeah. had heard about it. So from this one tiny act of let's just do something to help yeah. this person, yeah. um, a charity came about called Project Futures um, and it's still in existence today. I think that they're still they're doing a fundraiser sometime in the next in the coming weeks. But we set up. It was basically a charity um, that fundraised for work that was happening in Southeast Asia, yes. um, particularly for this woman Somali mom, her work. Um, and then we started to branch out and support other organisations who were running safe houses. So we actually mm. supported the Salvos, have a safe house actually here in Sydney yeah. for women and children who had been trafficked into different mm. areas, whether it's sexual slavery or domestic servitude. Yes. Mm. Um, we, we funded a, a safe house in Nepal. So we became kind of the fundraising marketing arm of these different organisations that we felt were doing really great work for women and children. Yeah. Um, I ran it for, for around 10 years. And oh, wow. at one point we had four full-time staff. We were raising over a million dollars a year. It That's was amazing. really cool. Yeah, and it was a lot of young people, like a lot of the people that we were going to for fundraising. They were running events in their backyard. They were, they were you know, doing their birthdays on behalf of the charity. They were going on these bike rides. So it was just, in a way, it was all about trying to say, you can do something yes. and together yeah. look at the look at the. Um, result you can have yeah, yeah. by sort of coming together. You yes. don't have to be a philanthropist. You don't have no. to be at the end of your career donating hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know that would be helpful. That would be helpful, <laughs> but you can have a birthday, raise two hundred dollars, one thousand dollars, five thousand dollars, and pull together. Look at what you can do to help With these people yeah. um, who are less fortunate than you yes. are. So, so if you if you could do that same model for the uh, Sydney uh, context. Yes. Where would you think the need is the greatest in Sydney? Oh, there's well, a we, lot of need, but there's a lot of need. You know, we did because we were dealing with trafficking, particularly. Yes. It started with sex trafficking, and then, to be honest, in Australia, we did get contacted by a lot of different groups working in domestic, you know, yeah. domestic yes. servitude, that kind of thing. Here, we did partner with the Salvos. Um, again, it's not as, maybe it's not as big an issue here in a Sydney as like homelessness or mental yes. health or anything like that. Mm. Um, but for me, I think the issue of slavery and servitude and, and trafficking is just the, the sheer lack of choice, control. Um, you know, you're being forced into something kind of horrendous. Yeah. You don't have a life. Exploited. You're mm. exploited completely. Yes. A lot of mm. the times you're psychologically, you know, psychologically traumatized you're physically beaten yeah, um there's a lot of issues mm. there right so to me it was just it was so horrific and so far away from anything that i had experienced or my friends had experienced that we think that i think we thought it doesn't matter how big it is it's big in the context of internationally yes. yeah but at least here in australia we have the rule of law we have you know we have a lot of things going for us in this country in place, yeah. in place. um but these yeah. things still happen. These things still happen, 100%. Yes. And they happen to like the, you would never know it. In, no, in, interestingly, exactly. one of the um, one of the victims of trafficking that I had met, yes. her kind of captors brought her over um, and, and she was 
they were part of a church. Yeah. It wasn't a Catholic yeah. church. I won't say what kind of church it was, but it, they were part of like a religious church kind of group yeah, and they yeah. wouldn't let her practice her own religion because it was sep- it was different. It was different. Mm. But yeah. I just couldn't believe that. I was like, what? So interestingly in Australia, you know, you don't think about the pimps and the people with machine guns like yes. maybe you did in Cambodia. It's completely different. These are people that have kids. Oh, yeah. You know, that they're, they're nannies for their kids and, yeah. you know, they're treating them yeah. horribly. And you think, yeah. why? Like yeah. how do people why? get away with Oh, why would you do that to another human being? Human being. Yeah. Why can't you just treat them with respect? And the, a lot of these people had families of their own that they yeah. didn't see or couldn't see. So it's a huge issue. Oh, and it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I feel like that was always a big passion of mine. It was a passion of mine for a long time. Yeah. Um, and then, and it still is today. I'm, I'm less connected to it yeah. today mm. because, you, you know, I don't want to say all good things must come to an end, but there's a point where you just, it's, you, you're tired, you know, you, yeah. it needs a new life, needs yeah, new, energy, new energy, that kind mm. of thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So what would, um, what would you say your vocation is? Oh, gosh. That's really <laughs> hard. I feel like nobody ever has, or do they? I don't know. In my, in my experience, it's never one vocation. I, I remember when I was in the depth of Project Futures, you know, I was... I couldn't think about doing anything else. Yes. Like I was mm. in my mid-20s, um, early 30s, and it was like I never worked harder. I really just – it was like around the clock, and I didn't mind, and it was great. It's weird in my kind of nearing 40 now. I mean, I love the job that I do now. It's still in the for-purpose space. It's in disability service provision. Yes. Um, it's a bit more strategic. It's a bit more commercially sort of – it's a, it's quite a – well, it's a much bigger commercial organization where you're looking at strategy but you're but it always still has a purpose Mm. I do think anything that I do in my life like even if I was offered a half a million dollars to go and work in marketing for like Commonwealth Bank I don't think I would do it because I think I I would always try and work in something that's doing good yeah has purpose and meaning and has purpose correct and has some sort of mission attached like not to be a goody two-shoes but like I, I just think that in the last, I'm 37 now, so in the last, like, honestly, 17 years, I've worked in either not-for-profit or for-purpose sort of social enterprise-type work, yes. trying to do good for a pocket of the community. Yeah. Mm. I, I just think that's always going to be part of my trajectory yes. into the future. Yeah. yeah. And it's beautiful to see young people. I still yeah. think you're young. <laughs> um, Thank to you. see young people who are passionate about these causes. Yes. Um, and... That we're not just, you know, um, out there getting money and that's all we care about to pay our mortgage. I mean, that's important too, to totally, pay your mortgage. Yes. But it's it's more about actually I want to live a life with meaning. Yes, um, correct. And, of course, Mary Ward lived a life full of meaning, I think. Full and, of meaning, And I, yes. when I look at this um, studio room, there are four of us. Um, yes. But there's Jen and Taylor from the comms team and you and myself. And here we are, four women um, in the contemporary world talking about another woman who really shook things up. Totally. 400 years ago. Um, and we're living her vision and we're still inspired by her, which, is, which I think is phenomenal. Yes. So Mary Ward um, says the famous thing about vocation and she says, let your vocation be constant, efficacious and affectionate. 
what, what do those words mean to you? Yeah, I, I think Mary Ward was such a pioneer of her time, right? Like, you know, she saw things in women that a lot of people didn't see or disregarded or saw women as lesser or something yeah. like that. And I think, I think that image and that um, vision and that vocation still lives on today. Yes. I think she pioneered the path for so many women um, and men to sort of look at the look at the equality, look at what women can do, and I think that's still so relevant today. And, and we still have we still have a way to go, right? Yeah. Um, but I think it just means you know to stay true to yourself. Stay true to, you know, whatever it is your path or your mission um, in life is, whatever mm. whatever that may be. And I just think it also means, you know, even when she uses that word affectionate, like be kind to yourself as well. Yeah, like, yeah, be gentle. I, I think it's mm. tough. Like people, people are, you know, different vocations could be climate change. It could be. I don't know, it could be fending for your family. It could be lots of different variations, but there's a lot of problems that need to be solved in the world. And I think it just, I think she's sort of saying, you know, stick to it. Yes. Even mm. through the really hard times when she was like banished and she was pilgrimaging yeah. through the, through the, <laughs> the unknown. Alps. Yes, the Alps. <laughs> um, and, and I think it's just stick with it. Yes. Stick with it over the long term as well. I think yeah. people these days feel like things can be done very easily. And mm. I think her life's work shows that it's not easy, but no. it's continuous. Yeah. And if you showcase that um, consistency and that longevity, people will yeah. follow you. She had so many sisters around her and it continued 400 years later. Absolutely. And that's probably not what she set out or thought about you know, no. 400 years after she died, but she was just true to what she thought and people picked, other people yeah. picked that up and, you know, ran with it because they believed it too. Yeah, yeah. And I think you're, you're pretty spot on about a woman who uh, stuck with it, but did the everyday things. And, and I think we belong to a culture that is so fast paced mm. and gratification and we want yes. instant results and instant yep. things happening and and it's sad in a sense because you get to see the effect it has on younger people yeah um, on teenagers specifically yes, totally because it's this I want I want to get things achieved so quickly and, yep. and I want the best results right now yep but I think what these traditions like the Mary Ward tradition for instance actually teaches you to just live in the today yes. and trust that it will go somewhere. Yes, And correct. 400 years, it's gone somewhere, hasn't it? Exactly, so. yeah. Live it out. Don't, don't, don't live it for, you know, the gratification yes. or the goal at the end of the day, especially if it's quite a big goal. Yeah. You know, just trust it, live it, and people will see that. It's authentic and, you know, it, people will follow that too. We yes. saw that with Project Futures. Like it was just something we set out to do. It was a good thing. And so many people came on the journey. Sure, yeah. I started it, but I certainly didn't lead it the whole way. Like there were so many people that came along because it was a great cause and people were being introduced to something that they had knew nothing about and that they got passionate about. And no matter how long that lasts or short it lasts, at that time, it was really a great time because yeah. we were doing really great things. And you don't think about the legacy of it. You just think about... I'm doing something good today and today. I'm supporting that mm. person today 
and that's what matters. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you, Steph, for Thank you. having this chat with us. We wish you all the best and we'll pray for you and little baby. Thank you. Um, exciting times ahead. Yes. And uh, yeah, thanks for making the time. Thanks for having me. Thanks.